you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. How many of y'all do desire to see things changed here? How many of y'all know that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do it? Well, for us to be able to hear from Him and to have the glory that He desires to pour out upon us and the, and the level that He wants to, listen, church. I mean, I mean, it's kind of how everything has been flowing in this whole service from, you know, from the songs that were singing. I mean, I, you know, I think we, what did we get through two songs today? You know, I mean, the, the Holy Spirit's coming out because he wants an encounter. He's trying, he, he is, he is desiring to pour out his glory upon the church like, like, like it's never been seen. So we, so we look upon these things and we, you know, we look, oh, if we can just get to be back like the, the church in the book of Acts, listen, church. The glory of the latter house is going gonna, is gonna to be stronger. It's going to be greater. He is going to end this church age and, and a manifestation of his goodness on this earth that I don't believe that we can even fathom. But he will tell us the secrets. He's going to reveal these secrets to us. He's going to reveal his goodness to us. And as we, as we begin to press on toward it, but we, we got to be hungry for it. We got to be seeking after these things. Amen? We got to seek after these things. And listen, the Lord, he's been, he's been talking to us. We've been digging a little bit into, into this revelation that, that, that the Lord's been pouring out, not just upon our church here, but, but, he, but I, you see it being poured out on, on churches all over the world. And, it's, and it's, a, it's a powerful revelation of the fear of God. And this, see, this is where everything starts. This is where it starts is having him, you know, being at the utmost priority in our lives. To, to we have complete all for him, to we're seeking after him in everything that we're doing. I'm going to tell you, church, this is probably one of the greatest teachings we can hear at this age and this hour that we're living in. You know, you, you'll, you've, if any of y'all been around me for any period of time, you'll hear me say being led by the Spirit and, and, and the teaching of being led by the Spirit and the teaching of faith is probably the greatest, the greatest teachings that we can ever have. But listen, you will never be able to operate in those fully unless we, unless we understand the fear of God. See, the fear of God is where you begin to trust him so much, you can easily step out in faith. See, the fear of God comes and you, and you can easily trust Holy Spirit. When he asks you to do something that's completely out of the ordinary, you will trust him because you have absolute awe and admiration for him. I believe this is, this is that doctrine that is going to connect the things that we've heard for the last 100 to 150 years, it is what's going to pull everything together to where God can pull out his anointing, his glory upon his church in a fashion that has no limitation. That has no limitation. You say, can there really be a limitation? Can, someone, can something or someone actually limit God? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Psalm 78, uh, 41 says what? That they turned back. You know, talking about the people of Israel, they turned back and they tempted God and they lim uh, limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited Him. Jesus, when He went to Nazareth, the people limited Him for what they could believe for. They stopped, they stopped God right in their tracks. Could you really stop God? Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. Oh, come on, church. Absolutely, you can. I mean, if we, if we, don't, if we can't get in line with him, believe in him, listen, we will, we will stop him in our, in our tracks. And I'm telling you, God is desiring to pour out something upon us. But listen, if we, if we are pushing back, if we're not allowing him to reveal the things that need to be revealed, he'll stop doing it. 
Why? Because he can't pour out something on you that's going to harm you, that's going to destroy you. He won't do it. He's not the God of destruction. He's the God of life. So many times we don't have certain things coming in our life. It's, it's because he's not, he will not pour it out because he doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He's here to try to build us up. He's the God of mercy. Listen, church, it's in his love and his mercy. Sometimes he doesn't give us the things that we ask for. I mean, I've been praying for revival forever. I mean, this is, this is, what, this is what I want. And I know that seed of revival is on the inside of me. It's on the inside of these churches. But, but I'm telling you, there, there is something that is missing that is going to change this nation, that's going to change the world. Amen. But we got to get to the place where we, we can hear from him and know what it is. Right? Because he, see, he's poured out a taste of these things in the days of old. Right? He's poured out a taste of revival in the days of past. And what has it always led to? It's led to people, you know, put all the focus on me. I'm the head of this one. Put my face on every poster. Put my face all over, all over Facebook because it's me. It's, it's, it's how I pressed in. It's how I've done this. Oh, Lord, just let me, let me heal one person. Man, I can write a book about it. I can get rich over it. And what happens? God stops. He stopped and he stopped and he stopped and he stopped. I'm telling you, he'll stop every time a man tries to steal his glory. Why? Because it'll destroy you. Because it'll destroy you. You know, Michael Koulianos, he was, he, he, he made this statement. I was listening to one of his messages a couple months ago, and, and he made this statement. I think it was probably in 2021. He was at one of his Jesus' conferences, and, and he made this statement. He said, you know, I, I, was, I was getting up there, and I was introducing Heidi Baker. If any of y'all know who she is, she's a woman, you know, full of the Holy Ghost, Right. He says, I was introducing her. And he goes, I just got done writing my book, Jesus 365. It's a devotional book. And he said, so I, so I got up there, and, and then right before I introduced her, I started saying, listen, you know, I just finally completed my book, Jesus 365, you know, and it, it, it's sitting there in the back. It's in the foyer back there. You know, y'all can go grab a hold of it after the service, but, but, but you know, don't worry about any of that. We're, 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 we're going to introduce Heidi. He started talking about Heidi and, and, and all the things that she's done and, and you know, and then, and then bide her up, you know, onto onto the platform to speak. And if you know anything about Heidi Baker, she just starts, she gets up there, she starts praying in the spirit. She starts praying in the spirit. And she, you can see something kind of vibrating on her. She's praying in the spirit. And then she stopped and she looked out the congregation and she said, she says, I'm not here. I'm not here to promote a conference. And she says, I'm not here to promote a book. She says, that would make me a prostitute. And I'm not here to prostitute the presence of God. And Michael, he says, he says his wife, Jessica, leaned over and said, you just got rebuked. You just got rebuked. And he said, I will never do that again. He said, I will never do that again. And I'm telling you, church, I love that kind of honesty. I love that sincerity. He's sitting there telling this to his church, how he just got rebuked by Heidi Baker. I mean, he's telling about these things. Why? Because, because he possesses something that, that I've noticed that, that, people, that people possess. They all have something in common. If you look at all the ministers, back from Brother Hagen, Lester Summerall, you know, to, to Seymour Williams, I mean, we can, yeah, to Howard Carter, you know, Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, we can go down the list of the people that operated in an absolute power in the glory of God, that operated in the absolute authority of God. There's one thing they had in common. See, they didn't all have the same doctrine. 
Right? They didn't have all the same life message. And you know, I say a life message, the, the message that the Lord has given you to, to minister, the, the one that, you know, it's kind of everything's centered on it. They didn't all have the same message. But they did have one thing in common. You say, what is that? They all had the fear of God. Hmm? They all had the fear of God. They're all in absolute awe of who he is. And, the, and when what he's desiring to do, they're completely and utterly submitted unto him in everything that they did. I'm telling you, church, this is where I desire to be. This is, this is what we're hunting after. I mean, why? Because we, we want him to, to, to raise the roof off of this house. Raise the roof off of this house and do the things that he desires to do. And I'm telling you, these things are coming. These things are coming. Amen. But listen, the Lord, is, the Lord has been speaking to this to me. It probably came out to me probably about, about three months ago when I was down there in Dundalk ministering down there. And he, he, he spoke, he says, it is the time now. He goes, now is the time, amen, for us to redeem the words, the fear of the Lord. Why? Because see, a lot of us, we, we have a, a misrepresentation of what these things actually mean. We don't understand what they mean, so we just stay away from it. But, I, but how many of y'all know that the fear of God, it has been is all throughout the Old Testament, and it's all throughout the New. It's all throughout the New. But we've got to understand what it's talking about if we're going to be able to operate in these things. So, so turn with me here to, to Acts Let's go with Acts. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to do some teaching today? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's learn. Let's learn a few things here. Now, now this, this chapter here is, is, is amazing. I, I usually teach on this when it got, when, in regards to being baptized in the Holy Ghost, which is actually amazing that the, that the Lord desired to go that direction this morning, and I didn't even have to teach on it. Amen. But, but I love it when you, when, you, when you ministered something for years and years and years, and then the Holy Spirit just begins to pull back a layer. He pulls back an, an angle. He, he pulls back you know, a new revelation on something. Why? Because this word is absolutely alive. If we'll allow it to speak to us, it will speak to us and he will unveil. And I'm telling you, I believe Holy Spirit is desiring to unveil something a wee bit different in this verse than, I, than anyhow than I've ever taught it. And, uh, but we will touch a little bit on the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it's, what, it's what's on here. So, so in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, we'll, we'll start here in Let's start, just start in verse 14 here. It says, Now when the apostles, which were in Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was not fallen upon any of them yet, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now what does that mean? It, when they got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's talking about uh, from Galatians 3.27 where they said, if any man be baptized in Christ, you can put on Christ. What's this talking about? It's not talking about being baptized in water. It's talking about getting reborn. He's talking about getting saved, getting fully immersed in Jesus. When you get fully immersed in Jesus, this is when we get reborn, right? And see, this is, this is what happened right here. They, these people got born. They, they, it says uh, that uh, the Holy Ghost hadn't fallen on any of them yet, but they were baptized in the name of the Lord. They weren't baptized in water. This was getting baptized in the name of Jesus, you know, by his you know, full immersion. In verse 17, it says, Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. It says, Then they, they laid hands on them. Now, now, Interesting enough, this is, this is about the time, if you go back to the end of chapter 7, you'll see that, that this is when the, the, uh, the deacon, Stephen, would begin to preach the word of God, and they begin to stone him to death. 
right? And they all laid their clothes down, their, their, their robes down, their tunics at the, what, at the feet of Saul, who later became Paul, right? So Paul is sitting there, and this is when Paul is enraged. He's infuriated at the church. How dare they do something, you know, that, that's contrary to what, to what we say things ought to go, what religion says. And he got infuriated, and he started going to, to persecute the church, going to hinder the church, go to put them in jail, go to stone them to death, anything he could do to stop this movement. But how, do you, how many of y'all know you can't stop God? See, if we, if we will get led by Holy Spirit, listen, you can't stop what he's going to do. Amen. But we got to be led by him in everything that we're doing. Now, the crazy thing is when persecution comes, the amazing thing is the church began to spread. They actually began to do the things that they were called to do. They left and went to different cities and different nations and began to speak the word of God. And Philip, he went up to, into Samaria here, and he started preaching the word of God. Philip was a deacon as well. He later became Philip the Evangelist. And it started right here as he went out and preached and signs and wonders started following the words that he speaks. How many of you know that signs and wonders will not follow unless you speak? Hmm? See, when we start speaking the goodness of God, speaking signs and wonders, speaking baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking healing, this is when things start coming. This is when people start listening. And this is when, you know, miracles start happening, right? And he went out preaching the word of God. And what happened? Revival broke out and everyone, you know, got baptized into Christ. People were getting saved left and right. Now, how many of y'all know there is a difference there is something called the spirit within and the spirit that comes upon, right? Now, when he went out preaching, they received the word of God. They got reborn. Holy Spirit came to dwell on the inside of them. They had the spirit, the river of the Holy Spirit came in to abide on the inside of them. But they were yet to have the Holy Spirit to come upon them in the fullness of power. Right? That's what happened here today. People getting a, a new refreshing. Some people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost for the first time. But it's His Spirit coming upon you. Does, see, there's a difference. When you get saved, you have Holy Spirit. I mean, don't listen to those you know, Pentecostal people say, listen, you know, you're, not, you're, not, you're not really even saved if you don't get baptized in the Holy Ghost because you don't have the Holy Spirit. No, you have Holy Spirit. As soon as you believe is what the Word says and confess with your mouth, you have Holy Spirit. He comes to abide. But there's a difference in His power coming upon you. There's a difference when his power comes upon you. Amen. And he says, as he was looking at these, uh, at these things, he, you know, they, well, excuse me, let me back up. You know, they, they sent P uh, Peter and John down there. Why? Because they, uh, Jerusalem, they heard these, that Samaria, man, they, they all got, they all, they're getting saved in Samaria. Praise the Lord. But they hadn't got baptized in the Holy Ghost yet. Now, do you find this interesting? That the word got preached People got saved, and, and Jerusalem thought it was so important for these people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They said, listen, John, Peter, y'all got to go. Y'all go up there. Y'all lay your hands on these people. They haven't received. I don't know why Philip didn't, didn't lay his hands on, but, but, they, but he maybe he wasn't confident in that yet, but they, but they didn't receive yet. Will you go up there and lay your hands on them? Listen, church, we've gotten to this place where, where we have so downplayed, you know, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That, that, I mean, will we actually send ministers somewhere when, the church, when a church gets saved or people get, you know, people get saved? Will we go say, listen, we need to go, we need to go get those people baptized in the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all know it's that important? It's, it's, it's that important. I mean, it's not, it's not something that's soft. Listen, church, it is that important. I, like I say, I don't understand how people can do life as a Christian and not be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I, I try, I've, I've tried it, and I was backslidden for most of those times, you know, most of those years. 
Amen. I'm telling you, when you, when you get that empowerment from on high, it'll change everything about your life. Amen. You can get a crystal clarity to be able to hear from him. It is absolutely amazing. It is of utmost importance. So they came down, they laid their hands upon him to receive the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Ghost was given, he offered him money, saying, Give me also this power that whomsoever I lay my hands on, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Isn't that powerful? You know, what did Simon see? Do you see a dove floating out of heaven and come and rest upon these people? What, what did Simon see? Because he says he saw. What did he see? Do you see people falling out? What, what did he see? Well, he saw the same thing that they saw here in a couple chapters later in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 10 when uh, Peter went to go preach to Cornelius the, the centurion. Right, and he went to go preach to them. Went to the, went to the Gentiles the first time in what nine nine years, I believe that is, that he went to to minister unto the to the Gentiles, and he started preaching just for a few minutes, and in verse forty four says that, that when Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon them, which heard the word of God, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as as it came to Peter, because the Gentiles also poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles as well, which they didn't even think that was possible. How? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, he said, man, and can anyone forbid them to get baptized in water? I mean, they just received Jesus. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost just like we did. Can anyone forbid us to dunk them in water? Hmm? This is the same thing Simon saw. He saw saw them begin to speak with other tongues. Amen. And it started to amaze Simon. He got amazed with this thing. Now, now listen, you got to know Simon. Simon, they call him a sorcerer. I mean, he was a man that used to operate in black magic. He knows what power looked like. He knows what power felt like. Amen. But see, when, when Philip came there and he started preaching the Spirit of God, preaching Jesus, and Jesus started coming upon these people, what happened? People were getting saved. People were getting healed. Miracles were breaking loose. He said, man, i got to have that power. That's amazing. But then, but then he saw you know, uh, Peter and John come up, and they laid their hands on him, and he said, oh, man, I, was, I saw people get healed. That was pretty awesome. You know, I saw people, you know, you know, legs grow that didn't have legs. That was amazing. He goes, but man, when I saw these people come in complete unity with Holy Spirit, that they begin to speak with other tongues in unity, I saw God begin to pray through these people. He said, you know what? I got money. I'll buy that from you. I don't know about all that power. See, I believe that's the entrance into, into being able to, to heal the sick and all that stuff. But, but I got money. I will pay for it. I'll pay for those things. You know, church, have we, have we in the modern church, have we relegated Jesus and his spirit so much? I mean, have we relegated the power of God so much? Have we relegated the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Have we relegated healing? Have we relegated the joy of God? Have we relegated the gifts of the spirit so much that we, that we find them unimportant? Which one? Oh, uh, have, we, have we pulled those things down? Have we made them not important anymore? Hmm? Have, have we done that? Well, I tell you, church, I, I, believe, I believe a lot of us have. Amen? Because, listen, the gifts and the promises of God, listen, they're without repentance. Listen, they're, they're still just for us as they were for them. Yeah? But we can't look at these things as common. We can't look at them as familiar. 
I mean, some of us do even get annoyed you know, when, when, when prophetic words start going out. Oh, Lord, it's going to be one of those long services today. You know, let's get, let's get prepared. Huh? Or are we, are we like Brother Melvin would have said, he, you know, he came up to me, you know, about, you know, six months or a year ago. He said, you know, what, Pastor, we need to start writing down all these tongues and interpretations of tongues and, and prophetic words that are going forth. Why? So we can, we can go back. Why? Because he values them. He values them. Why? Because it's not just a man speaking these things. It's God speaking these things through a man, through one of his sons, through one of his daughters. Hmm? These things are important. Church, God's speaking to us. He's leading us. We don't need to relegate these things. We don't need to lower these things. We need to begin to exalt what he, what he desires to do. Because I'm going to tell you, church, when we don't want these things, this is when the Holy Spirit stops. When we get put out by these things, this is when the Holy Spirit says, you don't want it, I won't bring it. I'm not going to force anything upon you. You don't want baptism in the Holy Ghost? I'm not going to force it upon you. You don't want to get healed? I'm not going to force it upon you. You don't want my gifts flowing? I'm not going to force it upon you. We got to get an attitude change, amen. We got we got to make the main things the main things. We got we got the things that are important, church. We need to we need to start pursuing those things, right? Because I'm telling you, Simon, he definitely didn't see these things as familiar. They weren't familiar to him. He's never saw these things before. They definitely weren't common. He says, "Listen, I got money. I'll give you money for them." He wanted to purchase them. That's how much that's how much value he put upon them, right? I love his amazement that Simon had. He got, I say, it reminds me when I first, you know, started hanging around the, the charismatics and stuff. And I was like, oh my Lord. I mean, the, the presence of God came in and it, it, it changed me. And I was amazed at everything. I wanted it all. But his motivation was wrong. And how I many I know God, he measures our motivation. He doesn't, he doesn't measure necessarily everything you say or everything you do. He'll measure the motivation of your heart. And then he'll, he'll give accordingly. So here in verse uh, 17, uh, 19, he says, you know, get, give me this power as well so I can lay, I can lay hands on these people and that, that they can receive the Holy Ghost. And in verse 20, he says, but Peter said to him, and this is where I wanted to go here. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. He goes, you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. You know, people think I can be tough, or, or Pastor Kimberly, that we can be tough in some of the things that we said. No, Peter just rebuked this man in front of everybody. He says, you know what? Your money, buddy, all the money you have, it's going to perish with you. Why? Because your heart's wrong. You think you can purchase something from God? Your heart's wrong. Right? He says, you will have no part, you'll have no lot in this matter. What does that mean? You're going to have no part. You know, Peter looked at him and said, you will not get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He says, not only will you not get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you will not be able to give the baptism of the Holy Ghost to anyone else because you won't be able to receive it. People are like, oh, what? What, what does that mean? I, 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 you know, the, the modern church, we preach everything. Every, we deserve everything. Everything. God loves us so much. He'll just pour out everything upon us. Really? Really? Maybe tell that to Peter. Because Peter said, listen, your heart's wrong. You're not going to receive this. I know, I know the Holy Ghost wants to come upon you. I know he loves you. He adores you. He wants you to have this. But you can't receive this because your heart's not right. Because your heart's not right. Why? Because God is not going to give you anything that's going to destroy you. He's not going to give you anything that's going to harm you. Huh? I'll tell you a secret. 
It's in his absolute mercy and his love that he don't give us things that will harm us. I'm telling you, you know, I was, I was a businessman and I was a young Christian. And I can remember driving around Houston, you know, praying, talking to God. God, would you just help make this deal go through? Come on, make this one deal go through. And I'm going to be set. Everything's going to be grand. You know, just pour this upon me. Just pour this upon me. You know, I, I'm going to be the biggest giver in the kingdom. All you got to do is just get this deal to go through. Get the, you know what? You know, I, I'm sitting here begging God to do these things. Prosper me. Prosper the business. I want to employ people, God. You know, trying to justify these things. And you know what happened? Nothing. And nothing ever happened. Why? Because my heart was wrong. And I'm telling you, I am so thankful that he didn't prosper me in those days. Why? Because it would have absolutely ruined my relationship with him. Not only would it have ruined my relationship with him, it would have ruined my relationship with my wife probably. Not only that, it probably would have cost me my life. Why? Because in my arrogance, I would have said, this is me. It's all me. I'm so good. Check out everything that I have done. And it would have all been about me. And I'm telling you, church, it would have cost me. I'm so thankful. But when I got my heart right, I got full of the Holy Ghost, got full of passion for the things of God. You know what was amazing? You know, he became my, the, my utmost priority. I didn't desire any of those things anymore. And you know what happened? He began to prosper me like I never knew was possible. That's how this building got, is, is purchased. That's how our, our church in Dundalk. Why? Not because I was asking for those things. Because of his goodness, he began to pour it out upon me. Why? Because my heart was right. He could trust me. Can he trust us? He measures the motivation of right here. He measures the motivation of our heart. Why? Because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. He doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to hurt you. He says, you'll have no part, you'll have no lot in this matter. And verse 22 says, repent, therefore, of this wickedness. Uh, excuse me, let me read that again. It says, repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray God that perhaps he, uh, he, uh, the thoughts of thy heart may be forgiven of you. He goes, for I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He says, I, I perceive you are in resentment. You're in jealous envy. You're in bitterness and you're, you're in the bond of iniquity. You know, people look and they're like, man, I thought, I thought Simon was saved here. I thought, I thought he was reborn. Didn't he just hear the word of God and get reborn? Well, absolutely he was. Absolutely he was reborn. Amen. But see, if we'll just begin to read the word of God and start putting our opinions all over it to justify the things that we want, you're gonna, you'll find out the truth of what the Holy Spirit will teach you. And you, you say, what am I talking about? Yes, yes, he was fully justified. Simon was saved. He was reborn. He was justified by God. He, he was justified by, by the grace through faith, the grace that God pulled out, and he grabbed a hold of it by faith. And what happened? He got reborn. But he wasn't sanctified yet. He wasn't sanctified. See, Peter could look at him and said, man, I'm looking at you, man. Man, there, there's a lot of bitterness in you. I see iniquity all through you. I see it. I see it. There's resentment on you. I see it. I see it. You know, he starts pointing these things out. Why? Because he, he hadn't sanctified himself yet. Amen. How I many all know that we got to sanctify ourselves? God does the justification, but you got to do the sanctification. You say, what do I mean by that? You can't, you, our God will rebirth you. Amen. And give you the Holy Ghost on the inside. Amen. But it is your job to sanctify yourself. It is your job to stop living like the world. It's your job. You're going to have to work out your salvation daily. 
right? Yeah, let's go, let me jump over there real quick here in Philippians chapter 2. What I'm saying now, let's, 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 let me let you see it. Here in Philippians chapter 2. In verse, uh, in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, he goes, if you have, as, you have always, if you have, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He says, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God which works in you both the will and to do his good pleasure. I like how the New Living says that. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's saying, do what? Work out your salvation daily with what? With fear and trembling. Well, I thought he was saved. He was saved. But we got to work out our salvation daily with what? With the fear of the Lord and with trembling. How do we do that? You go back to, that, to the verse we're at there in Acts chapter 8. He says, repent. That's what he, that's what he spoke. He says, repent, therefore. I mean, I know, the, I know you start saying these things and people that haven't been around listen. You're like, oh, repent. That's a dirty word. We don't even need to talk about those things anymore in the church. No, no, church, that is the problem with the church. We don't talk about these things. We have an, we have, uh, an ill-mannered you know, reality of what actually repentance is. What is repentance? It's, it's metanoia. He says, repent. This is Peter speaking by the Holy Ghost to a man that he's trying to get sanctified for the things of God. He says, he says repent. Allow metanoia to come upon you. What does that mean? That means start changing the way you think. You change the way you think, you'll change the things that you do. See, a lot of people say repentance. Oh, it's like walking in this direction. And then when you repent, you just turn around and you walk in this direction over here. That's, that is the, the, the secondary consequence of what repentance is. You can see, if you, if you begin to walk in this direction, right, and then you just change and walk a different direction because someone told you to do it, amen, and you didn't change the way you think, something else is going to catch your attention over there. What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to continue to walk back that direction again. See, what is repentance? True repentance is changing the way you think. It becomes the way you think like Jesus and not like the world anymore. And what happens? You never go back to the world because you don't think like them anymore. We think like Jesus. This is what repentance is, and it will change the way you walk. It will change the direction you're going 100% of the time. You know, you know the, the Grammy Awards were just out this week. I mean, me and Pastor Kimberly, we were talking about these things, talking about the Grammy Awards, and, and, you know, and it was crazy. You look on Facebook and you see all of these Christians wanting to justify how great the Grammy Awards are. And listen, you watch those things, listen, that, that's, you know, whatever. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. You need to do everything you need to do. You need to check with the Holy Spirit yourself. I mean, but it all comes about, about a, a community of people going to the Grammy Awards. You know, the, you know, should they go or should they not go because these people are Christians? Well, listen, church, if these Christians and musicians were going there because God said this is, your, this is your mission field to go in there and reveal Jesus unto the world, listen, church, they need to do it. Praise God for it. Praise God that God put them in that position to do it. Amen. But what are we doing justifying that the world is what we need to be modeling ourselves after? I'm telling you, the Christians are, oh, oh, no, these things are great. Everything is fine. There's nothing dark going on here. Well, listen, church, we need to stop thinking like the world. We, we need to re have repentance come upon us, start seeing what Jesus thinks is pure, what Jesus thinks is good. Start thinking about that, and then you'll stop thinking about it. You won't have to justify the things that you want to do anymore. Why? Because you'll start thinking like Jesus. Hmm? 
Come on, church. How many of you know that if you, if you begin to think like Jesus, Holy Spirit will begin to reveal them. He'll begin to reveal them to you. Why? Because Holy Spirit is the only one who reveals Jesus. Holy Spirit is the revealer of Jesus. He will reveal him in the word of God. He'll reveal him in your heart. He'll reveal him from the words that a preacher speaks. It's Holy Spirit. He, he is the revealer of those things. You say, How, you know, look, it happened to, happened to Simon here, didn't it? In verse 24, you know? Yeah, in verse 24 it says, and then Simon answered and he said, he said, pray, pray to me, pray Peter for me to the Lord that none of these things which you have spoken that they come upon me. Why? Because he got one glimpse of the glory of God. One glimpse of the holiness of God. He said, Peter, 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 you please pray for me that none of these things which you just spoke will come upon me. The fear of the Lord just grabbed a hold of him. The fear of the Lord just grabbed a hold of him with one glimpse. With one glimpse, church. I'm telling you, that's powerful. Holy Spirit, he is the revealer. He is the revealer. Here in, here in Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 11 is a, a really interesting chapter because it starts off revealing Jesus and, and then it, it comes on what we are going to see when Jesus comes back to rule here on this earth, right? But starting off here in, in verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth, a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall show out of his roots. What, what is this talking about here? This is, this is Holy Spirit begin to reveal where Messiah is going to come from. He's going to come from the root of Jesse. He's going to come from the tribe of Judah. We all know what, what, what tribe did Jesus come from? Came from Judah, right? The tribe of praise. And in verse, in verse 2, it starts talking about the, the sevenfold working of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you ever read in Revelations and you see, and it says, the seven spirits of God, it's not talking about there's seven Holy Spirits. There's not seven Holy Spirits. There's one, one Holy Spirit, but he has sevenfold working. It's referring back here to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, right? So it says here in, in chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 2, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Who's he going to rest upon? Jesus, the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, if you go into the Greek Septuagint, you'll find that there's also the Spirit of godliness, right? But, but we're, we're, we're focusing here on the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Now, now, the Spirit of the Lord, it is an attribute, is a personality. It is a working of Holy Spirit, right? So if you want to cultivate a relationship with Holy Spirit, listen, church, one thing you're going to find out is he's going to reveal to you the fear of the Lord. See, when we have when we have disrespect for the things of God, listen, church, it's, you don't have the fear of the Lord. It's because you don't have a relationship with Holy Spirit, the God that's in you, right? Because he will reveal, amen, the fear of the Lord to you. Why? Because it's not just Jesus's, or excuse me, Holy Spirit's, you know, desire to love on you, not just to love on you, not just to, to guide you or counsel you or give you wisdom or knowledge. That's not just what he wants to do. He wants to reveal Jesus to you. Just like Jesus, what was his primary goal he wanted to do on this earth? He wanted to reveal the Father. He wanted to reveal the Father, right? So, so if you, well, you don't have to turn there. Let me turn there real quick. And, and uh, in John chapter 14, some powerful scriptures here, ones that we know very well. 
you know, he says here, he says uh, in, 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 in verse 6, he says, what, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. He says, I am the life. He says, no one's going to come to the Father except by me. Except by Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. He says, no one's going to come to the Father unless you come through me. He says, if you had known me, you'd know my Father also. He goes, but now on, for here on out, for, for henceforth, he goes, you now know him and you have seen him. And we know this because we taught on this a lot. And Peter looks up and he said, yeah, listen, Jesus, it will suffice. All you got to do is just show me the Father. And I'll be satisfied. All you got to do is show me the Father. And what did Jesus do? He said, he said Philip, he goes, if I've been with you such a long time that you don't know me, you haven't got intimate with me. That's the Greek word, gnosko, right? Have we been here such a long time that you haven't gotten intimate with me, that you don't know if you've seen me, you've already seen the Father. You've already, you have already seen the Father. He says, believe that I am and in the Father and the Father is in me, or the words that I speak unto you are not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he doeth the works. He goes, believe I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else just believe because of every single miracle you've seen. Right? Powerful. Absolute, absolutely powerful here. So listen, when we become seekers, you become seekers of Jesus, and you desire to walk in intimacy with him, when you desire to walk in intimacy with the king, Holy Spirit will begin to reveal something to you. You say, what is that? He's going to, be, he's going to begin to reveal through knowledge, through wisdom, through counsel, through guidance, he'll begin to reveal what? He'll be, through the fear of the Lord, he'll begin to reveal Jesus. Why? Because he wants you to know the fullness of the Christ. He wants you to know the fullness of Jesus. Why? So the fullness of the Father can be revealed unto you. Hmm? This is what Holy Spirit is here for. He's not your genie in the bottle. He's here to reveal Jesus. He's here to reveal the Father. And I'm telling you, he does a pretty good job of it. Hmm? Now I ask, I've asked many times, you know, people have come to ask me, they say, and probably because we teach on intimacy so much in this church, they say, you know, pastor, how do we come to this place where we get intimate with the Lord? How do we get to this place where we get more intimate with him, right? How, how do these things take place? And listen, these things are very hard to describe because if you don't have a desire to get intimate with someone, you're not going to get intimate with them. So you can't, you, can't, you can't put a desire in someone. I mean, that desire has to be in your heart. I'm telling you, that desire is there. We, we just got to yield unto it, right? But we, got, we have to, to come to this place where we yield to it. You know, it's like, it's like my wife. I love, I love to use examples of her because it is our reflection of our relationship with the Lord, right? And see, over the, over the years of, of my desire to get intimate with my beautiful wife over there, now listen, church, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, right? But see, just because I made mistakes along the way, it didn't ever stop my pursuit. Now, I can look at her and there's things I know I'll never do because of the way she responded, the things that it did to our marriage, right? But I never stopped my pursuit. Why? Because I want her heart. I desire her. I want her. And so the fight is always there. The fight, the fight is always there. But see, listen, when intimacy flares off, 
when intimacy flares off, when it begins to taper off, we can begin to look at our relationships as common. Amen, that they don't have a whole lot of value anymore. Amen, they're just there to suit us. They're not, they don't have a whole lot of value. You know, they're not really worth giving your life for. And listen, we've been in that, we've been in that place too. You know, to where we didn't see each other as valuable anymore. I wouldn't stop my pursuit and she stopped her pursuit. Why? Because I didn't value her. Why? Because I valued myself. I was trying to make myself go in the right direction, desire to do things myself. You know, what are you going to do for me? You're here for me. You're here for me. You're here for me. Not that I'm here for you because I'm pursuing after you. Right? And what does that do? When When you lose that value, it starts separating. Separates intimacy. It separates it. And the same thing is with our Lord. You know, the same thing is with God. Listen, when we lose our value for him, hmm? when you lose your honor for him, this is when you begin to lose honor for his church. You lose, you lose honor for his leaders. You lose, you lose honor for his people, his children. Huh? We lose respect for these things. We lose respect for his mission. We start looking at all these things like they're common. You say, why is that? Because we've lost the fear of the Lord. We've lost the fear of him. We've lost that awe of him. We lost that hunger because, listen, you can't get intimate unless we have, we have the fear. You may be able to taste a bit of it, but you won't get it unless you have the fear of the Lord. I mean, it will, it will, it will make you dance into whole new depths of the things of God. Amen? Now, I'm not saying, now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that, that you lost your love for God. Right? I'm saying you lost your fear for him. Two different things. Remember, we talked about this with the church of Ephesus a few weeks ago. You know, the church of Ephesus, they lost their love for him. Jesus said, listen, come back, come back, come back to your first love. You know, do, the first, do your first works, right? Come back to me, come back to me. Or else I'm going to what? I'm going to take your anointing away from you. I'm going to cut you off. Why? Because I don't want you to influence anyone else with your religious things you're doing, right? Now, how did they lose their love? They lost their fear. When you lose the fear of God, listen, this is when you can begin to lose your love. Your love can wane for him. And when your love wanes for him, this is when you become the apostate church that walks away from him. Hmm? I'm telling you, things are serious, church. These things are serious, and we, we need to grab a hold of them. They are serious. So what is the fear of God? It's not being scared of them. This is where we get things confused, right? We talked about this last week. This, you know, the fear of the Lord is not being scared of him. It's can't, you, you can't be scared of God and be intimate with him at the same time. That's not the way things work. That, that's not what the fear of the Lord is. God, God said, I can give you a spirit of fear, but what a power, love, and a sound mind. He didn't make you timid. No, he, and what's, he's actually speaking that verse according to the adversary, right? I can give you a spirit of fear. You don't be timid of him. Huh? I, I gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Right? But we don't, we're not in fear of God either in that, in that aspect. We're not scared of him like he's going to punish us. 1 John 4.18, what is that? There is no fear in love. Right? But perfect love what? It casts out all fear. It casts out all fear. Because fear involves what? Torment. And he who fears has not been made perfect in love if you're scared of God because you're trying to hide something from him. Right? Because why his perfect love, when it comes in and consumes you, it casts out all fear of being scared of who he is. Why? Because you can realize the love that he has for you. You know he's drawing you to him. He's not pushing you away. Why? Because the closer you get to him, the more stuff that's going to get shaved off of you. Hmm? Amen? Listen, we're not scared of him. 
But we need to be in absolute fear of being apart from him. See, I, there's not, I do not want to be away from that woman. But even as much as I don't want to be away from that woman, there is a trembling on the inside of me that I do not want anything to separate me and him, me and my Lord. And it drives me. There's a fear there. There's an awe and a reverence there that I will not permit anything to come in and hinder that relationship. So what is the fear of the Lord? Hmm? It's, a, it's an honoring him. It's a reverence for him. It's a respect. It's complete obedience. It's loving what he loves and it hates what he hates. He loves what he loves and hates what he hates. Well, I mean, but that, but that, that may be a little judgmental. <laughs> you, you're in absolute fear that you don't want anything to come between you and him. So you side with him on everything. Oh, church, we could preach on that. We side with him on everything and leave nothing out. And leave nothing out. Now listen, I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you this. I'll give, I'll give, you, I'll give you a few verses and we'll close on out. You know, Pastor Kimberly, she was down in Dundalk. She, she ministered a message, whatever it was. Listen, let me encourage you. You know, listen to the messages that are, that are going down in Dundalk. You know, we have our church in Galveston as well. Listen, listen to these messages. Why? Because it's what God's, God's speaking to our, this is a family. Amen. Yes, this is the newest church out of them all. We've been here for a year, but God, God is speaking to our family. Amen. And he speak, may speak through Pastor Jason and Nadine or me or Kimberly or Pastor Rusty over in Galveston, but, but he's speaking to a family. He's preparing a family. Listen to some of these messages. See, see what God's doing. You'll find that, that we're, all, we're all touching around on the same things. Why not? Because we're all preaching the same message because the Holy Spirit's ministering the same things to our family. Amen. So I encourage you, listen, listen to some of those things. But she, she, she ministered this and, it, uh, and it, it, it resonated with me. I want, I want to read this to you. Now, this is in Isaiah chapter 5. This is Isaiah. Now, if y'all know Isaiah, if you've studied through Isaiah, you know he is a preacher of righteousness, a tough preacher of righteousness. Amen. He, he ministered the word, and he was sitting there speaking here in chapter 5. He was speaking with absolute disgust. Why? Because he hated the things that God hates. And he, he was speaking with absolute disgust for the sin that has come upon the nation of Israel because they got separated from God because of it. They got separated from it, and they were in, in going into exile, and many bad things were happening against them. So he started speaking. He was speaking, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, what, what does whoa mean? It's, it's great sorrow or great distress is coming. You know, so he starts speaking out to him in verse 20. He says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. He says, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and they're prudent in their own sight. Woe, or great distress, and great sorrow has come upon them that drink wine, and, and of men of strength that mingle with strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. He's standing there saying, whoa, he's pointing the finger. He's standing up, he's pointing, whoa, whoa, great distress is coming upon you. Great distress is coming upon you for the things that you're doing. Whoa. And then we see in chapter six, a complete change in attitude comes, or complete directional change of what he was ministering comes. In verse one, he says, I saw, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. 
His train filled the temple and above and above it were uh, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, two that covered their face, two that covered their feet, and two they did fly with. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the, whose whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house, it was filled with smoke. It was filled with the Shekinah glory. He says, then I said, whoa, great distress, great sorrow. It's coming to me. See, he's not pointing the finger anymore. He says, no, great sorrow, great distress. It's coming. It's coming to me for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Can you see this? Can you see this shift? I mean, he's sitting there pointing fingers at everybody. Whoa! Whoa, just like the prophet does. Pointing fingers, trying to get things corrected, trying to get things to turn their ways back to God. But one glimpse of the glory of God, one glimpse of the holiness of God, what does he do? He, can you see him? He falls down to his knees, and he's like, oh, my Lord. Now, not woe is them. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm undone. I have a foul mouth. And I dwell around people that have a foul mouth. It's wicked. Woe is me. Why is he, why is he screaming? Because he is terrified that I will never get in that presence again because I see, I mirror, the glory of God put a mirror on me. And now I'm in absolute fear that there's something that's going to separate from me and from him for eternity. This is the fear of God. This is the fear of God. I mean, do you, do you have a fear in you that you will be separated from him? Do you have, do you have a fear, not, not saying that God's going to pull you away or he's going to kick you out? I'm not, listen, don't go that direction. But are you so infatuated and in awe and fascinated with him that you can't stand something in you that doesn't look like him because it may, it may put a, a wedge in between you and him? Church, this is when the fear of the Lord's upon you. This is when he can begin to trust you with great power, with, with a greater measure of anointing. Why? Because until we get this church, we can't receive it. It'll destroy us. It'll destroy us. I'm telling you, he is trying to bring us back into this place. Amen. Not, not being in fear of of him harming us, because that's not our God. We got, listen, church, we've got to separate these things. We've got to understand what the Lord's trying to reveal to us. We've got to come to this place where we have such honor for him that we refuse to allow anything to separate us from him, that we refuse to allow anything. Why? Because his glory, I'm telling you, it will reveal his majesty but it'll also show you how little you are. It'll show that you, that the world is not centered around you. This is something I had to figure out, and it took me many, many, many years to figure out that not everything is about me. Not everything's about me, but it's all about him. It's all about him, and I get to play a part in that. I got, invi- I got invited into it. I'm telling you, when we come, we come to this realization, it'll, cha- it'll change the way you think. Change the way you think. It'll change the way you pursue them. You begin to honor the things that he honors. You begin to hate the things that he hates. So I want to pray for us. 
I pray for us, Lord, listen, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this, for your outpouring of your spirit that we had here today. But Lord, I, I, I pray that we get a greater glimpse of your glory, a greater glimpse, Lord, that we can realize your majesty, Lord, to where, to where people, just like Pastor Kimberly was talking about, that, that people won't ever leave places like this. They won't leave communion. They won't leave, you know, the fellowship with one another. They won't leave the place where you're at because they're in fear of being separated from you. And there's someone love and someone fatuated with you. They can't, they can't leave. They begin to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. They abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, draw us into that place. Draw us into that place. Holy Spirit, teach us the fear of the Lord. May we, may we actually have a taste, a taste to where we can see that everything truly is centered around you and that we desire to participate. We stop fighting against it. Lord, may your church stop fighting against these things and, stop, and start yielding to it. And start yielding to you. Lord, we want more. We want more. We're not, we're not scared to get kicked out of your presence. We're not scared to be, to be removed from you. No, no, we're, we, you didn't give us that. You didn't give us that. We're not, we're not scared of those things. But we're, not, we're scared we don't get more of you. We want more. We want more. We want more. Teach us to honor you. Teach us to have awe and, and reverence for you. Holy Spirit, teach us the fear of God. Teach us the fear of God. The same thing that Jesus operated in there in Philippians chapter 2, that he was in humility, he came down here because he wanted to serve you, Father. He wanted to serve you. And because of that, he received a name that's above every name. Teach us the fear of the Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. Lord, we honor you. We honor you. And as we exit out of this church, Lord, we, oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word that never returns void, that it changes us, it completes us. It completes us. We thank you, Lord, there, there shall no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Lord, for you give your angels charge of us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Psalms 91. We, we grab a hold of it by faith because we know we know you're real. We've already been in your presence today. So we know that there, we are protected in everything we do. We're protected down the, down the seaways, the railways, the motorways, the airways. Lord, even walking down the walk paths, Lord, there is no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us or harm us. So we are the protected of God. We thank you, Lord, the angels are, are in front and back and side to side. Lord, we thank you, Lord, we have your spirit who delivers us from every snare of the fowler. Why? Because we're people that dwell in the secret. We don't just come in and out. No, we dwell to be in the secret place of the Most High. We adore you. We love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you, Lord, for this family. We thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Now say it with me. Thanking you, Lord, that we are covered by the blood, we are empowered by the word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.